"'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the tower, not a creature was stirring, not even Argyle. The terrorists were perched by the elevator with care, in hope that John McLean soon would be there. The hostages were nestled, all snug in the lobby, while John tried to welcome the cops to the party. And Gruber with his plan, and Powell in his car, it's time to talk about the movie that could have had Sinatra as its star. When down in the plaza there arose such a clatter, without further ado, let's start this cannon fodder. Our voices are heard, and we have a lot to say. With decades of continuity across all of our favorite fictional universes, this podcast is here to take you through what is, what isn't, what could have been, and what is simply canon fodder. Now I have a podcast. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome back, everybody, to Cannon Fodder. I am Matt. I'm Anthony. And I'm Ed. And this is our special holiday edition of Cannon Fodder. Merry Christmas! Motherfuckers. So we are talking about the greatest Christmas movie of all time, the Die Hard series. So not only Die Hard, the movie, uh, Die Hard 2, Die Hard 3, Die Hard 4, and Die Hard 5. Uh, and then a, a few different things that are kind of, you know, kind of tie into there. There's some really cool ideas and some different commercials and books. And there's some just great things that kind of surround the uh, Die Hard series. Series, we're we're gonna get a chance to you know kind of talk about all of them. Die Hard Five. Oh, 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 oh man, that's gonna be fun to talk Yippee about. Yippee ki Mother Russia. Yeah, Mother Russia. That was the tagline, wasn't that it? Was the, uh, that oh, was the God. tagline. Jesus. I I I like to think that somebody said that as a joke at 20th Century Fox, and then we got a movie out of it. Oh yeah, no, for sure. So that that that's like pure like you know it, it's you, that kind of tagline doesn't really happen nowadays because it, it's very 80s. It's like you're right. Somebody said that as a joke. Joke, and some 20th Century Fox exec was like, yeah, yep. sounds great. Let's make a movie out yeah, of it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it up just like it was the 80s, like in real life. God. Yeah. And speaking of Mother Russia, Matt, what are we drinking? Oh, we are drinking Moscow Mules today. I just made them fresh here at a shared universe, the well best studio to podcast at in the entire country, not just in New Jersey, in the entire country. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, and I gotta say they're pretty fucking good. I mean, like you know, I measured yeah. everything out. I wasn't eyeballing it, but yeah, I did a good job on these. I'm not not gonna lie. <laughs> Quality ginger beer is uh, definitely a key. Yeah, I, I got the, I got the good shit. Yeah. You know, like, and then of course we are drinking uh, Bruce Willis's Sobieski vodka. 
right? So it's a Polish vodka, a hundred percent pure rye, uh, and delicious full-bodied uh, vodka, Sobieski vodka for your <laughs> vodka pleasure. <laughs> What's the difference between Polish vodka and Russian vodka? Just... Who knows? I, I think it's probably the country of origin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> really? Could that be it? Do you think that I'm, might be really I'm, it? I'm, I'm not an expert. I mean, <laughs> uh, all right, fuck both of you. <laughs> let's start. Let's start talking about the first movie, the original Die Hard. The movie, as you said, or what we insinuated, that made Bruce Willis a star. It really did. Yeah. Um, this movie is just everything you want in an '80s action movie. It has all of the '80s action movie tropes, but. What makes this movie great is that the one big 80s action movie trope that it's missing and what it turns on its head is the, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger type, you know, ass kicking bad guy. John McClane is just a, you know, kind of, to be honest, like kind of a scared, you know, New York City policeman, right? And just more or less like bumbles his way through saving Nakatomi Plaza from the terrorist. And that's what made this movie special because it wasn't just a shoot 'em up, you know, like skull cracking. Like there's a lot of that happening, but the entire movie, John McClane is, you know, back against the wall. He's not that cocksure, you know, 80s action hero that you're used to seeing. And that's what sets this movie apart from all the others. And of course, Hans Gruber. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels much more realistic. And man, Bruce Willis is the originator of the dad bod. Like he is the dad bod hero. Like he is that 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 person that all of us uh, skinny fat people love to to just uh, uh, aspire to. Yeah. Right. So um, no, I mean, I I think that with the original Die Hard, it is. It is one of the most 80s movies that you can watch. And it, it yes. absolutely is a great Christmas movie. It's not only a movie that takes place during Christmas. It itself is a Christmas movie because it talks a lot about uh, many different sort of Christmas, uh, I guess you could say, like, wishes or elements. Yeah, yeah well, and, there's a, and there's a Christmas party going Christmas on morals. at the plaza. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. soundtrack is all Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Yep. But also... As opposed to some other movies that might take place during Christmas, this movie has like those traditional Christmas themes, just with a lot of gunshots and some nudity. You know, it's like, you know, like it's all about like family coming together. It's you know, it has like this anti-capitalist bent, kind of like it's a wonderful life. You know, it has all these things about you know like. You know, family and everything. It's just yeah. I mean, one of my favorite explosions. one of my yeah. favorite characters in the movie is Ellis, who is just this corporate sleazy, as much as you can be, yuppie scum from the eighties. Like, and he's just he's great, and yeah. you love to hate him. Hot take: He's the true villain of the story. He is definitely <laughs> he really is. Yeah. he's definitely the true villain of the story. I mean, Hans Gruber was just trying to lie, and he was trying to get paid. He was a thief, but he wasn't like a crazy like butchering monster murderer yeah. he pretended to be one because he didn't want people to know he was a thief and so he but that's really the whole thing was that they were just trying to steal bonds i am an exceptional thief yeah ellis <laughs> yeah. ellis reminds me of like don jr like he's just like so yipped out of his mind and he's all like sweaty and shit and like you can't tell if he's sweaty because he's nervous or because he's done too much blow that night like yeah. he's just like and he's, hey, he's more, hans bubby yeah, like hans, you know <laughs> bubby on your just, white knight. <laughs> and so another thing that I love about so the first good. Die 
Die Hard movie is. Like, I'm sure both of you guys know this, but that was one of those movies that was actually being written as it was filmed, which, you know, for the very often that does not end well. No, that but usually that, ends yeah, terribly. But that movie was very much being written, like, as it was filmed. Um, and one of the things that Die Hard does so well, and actually, most of the Die Hard movies do, is they infuse this bit of comedy into them. But like unlike other 80s action movies where the comedy comes from the fact that it's so cheesy, this has just like some legit kind of like funny moments. Like the scene where they're they're all all the bad guys are posting up in the lobby to like take down the cops and the one um like like Chinese guy, he's sitting there on top of the glass case and there's the candy bars in the case and there's that like that beat and he just stops and he looks and he slowly reaches to get the candy bar from the <laughs> yeah. case like right before he's about to annihilate a bunch of cops it's just like little things like that are so well done and they're like it's funny beats that actually work because they're funny they're just not cheesy yeah and the characters work to that regard too because everything that John McClane says is sarcastic yeah so he's just a naturally funny guy so he adds in some of the humor and he part- feels yeah. like he's from New York oh 100% yeah and and there's very much that like L.A. New York dichotomy because Ellis oh, seems yeah. to be like the caricature of the L.A. guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I think the movie worked, even though it was being written as it was filming, is that it was based on a book. Right. So like there was like you know uh, like a series called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe, written in 1979, and Roderick Thorpe had written this like series about this cop Joe Leland, who of course they changed to John McClane for the movie. And he basically watched Towering Inferno, and he was like, okay, I'm going to put Joe Leland in Towering Inferno and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, and see, and, see what's and, up. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's basically um, the uh, – oh, my God. I totally lost my train of thought when I was – I lost my train of thought. Fuck. So, that's all right. So, I mean, it, it's it, it's it's such a it's such a fun movie for has as much brutal murder is in the movie, as much action is in the movie, um, as intense as it is. There's a lot of like cheeky fun without being overly cheesy. Like yeah. it's fun and and that could be like the point. I mean, they kind of created that cheesy aspect, but it wasn't like even like the uh the scene where, you know, that they talk about in Last Action Hero. It's like in Die Hard, the guy's hanging there by the, his neck and then at the end of the movie he comes back, right? Yeah. <laughs> like even something like that was it wasn't forced. It was really at the time Really, really cool, really like thrilling to be able to see. And it just, it, they were able to do it and keep it with all of the action, with all of the brutal murder, keep it very Christmassy and lighthearted. I remember what I was going to say about, uh, you mentioned about John McClane's sarcasm. And that, that for me was a big thing too, because it's very much like taking a page out of um, the Spider Man comic books. Um, like early on, you know, people's always like, why is Spider Man such a wisecracker? And like he's mentioned several times, he's doing that to like mask his own fear. And seeing John McClane be so sarcastic and so witty throughout the entire movie, but at the same time, Bruce Willis was able to exhume that fear that he was truly feeling. That's where like a lot of other more recent action movies have lost like I remember like when we were talking about Terminator um, one of the biggest issues with Terminator uh, Dark no uh, Genesis was the fact that the Kyle Reese we got in that movie, ironically played by Jay Courtney, um, oh, wow, was right. was just so like cocksure, you know, fucking big time action hero. But the Kyle Reese from the first one was like scared out of his mind, just like John McClane was scared out of his mind there. And then you know when we talk about the other Die Hard movies, they they just completely he's a professional by this point. He doesn't need to be scary. He's like, yeah, it's all gonna work out. Don't worry, I'm, I'm I'm good. But that was an element in the original Die Hard movie that really made it stand out from other action movies too. Yeah, and even though there's a lot of death, like you mentioned earlier yeah like if you think about it takagi you know the boss who gets killed right off he's the only good guy 
who, yeah. who gets killed. Like, so all the terrorists die. Fine. Nobody has a problem there. Ellis dies. That's probably even better. And then all of the hostages survive. So, like, yeah, there's tons of murder. And then, like, there, what? There's the helicopters with the two Johnson & Johnson terrible FBI agents. <laughs> yes. Who, who they, they appear Such to be... Such a great bit. They appear to be both terrible FBI agents and potentially war criminals. So, yeah. you, so you have no problem with their helicopter going down. Dude, that was so great. The Johnson & Johnson. But like, they, again, little things like that. Just yeah. this little bit. So you're like, you're like and, wait and a minute. It, <laughs> like, one guy is white, the other guy is black, and they keep saying no relation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> This, I'm Agent Johnson. This is Agent Johnson. No, no relation. relation. No and, relation. And, and they're like th- they're like twenty years apart in age. <laughs> oh, yeah. <too>. Like <laughs> it's so, just so good. And this gets into something that just released uh, about two weeks ago. AFI, the American Film Institute, had a video. They did a, like an interview with John McTiernan, and McTiernan seems to be like full Unabomber. He's like out in the woods at his cabin. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. No. And his hair is all scraggly. And it's, it seems like he certainly hasn't had a haircut in a while. And he's talking about why he made Die Hard a Christmas movie. Yeah. And he talks about how he was inspired by It's a Wonderful Life and that the idea was that if we make it a Christmas movie, we can get away with more subversive things. And he says that it's not a mistake. That's genius. That, that every authority figure in the movie is incompetent. Yeah. Like that is that was like his yeah. political message he's going for. You know, so the so what? The the commissioner, the police chief guy, terrible. Yeah. Yep. The FBI, terrible. Like everybody, you know, like doesn't understand what the terrorists are doing. And that's John a theme they carry the on through all of the Die Hard movies, yes. especially in Die Hard 2 mm-hmm. with um, the Dennis Franz, you know, the airport cop guy. Yeah. And then a, sp- a big time in like in a, uh, Live Free and Die Hard where like this, the FBI just has no fucking idea what's going yeah, on. They're just, like, <laughs> yeah, and if it wasn't for John McClane, then yeah. forget it. There would nothing. be no America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, would there would be no America. Be no America. <laughs> Which so, I, I guess you can just say about, you know, even without – with with these movies being fictional without John McClane, would there really be an America? Not really. No. I, I think that's that's really what it does so well, different from every other 80s action movie, is that it's just more realistic. Like, the original Die Hard movie, it seems like an like like he plays John McClane, but it could be Johnny Everyman. Yeah. Right? He's just... He's, He's just a Johnny everybody, and it just seems like he's a regular, normal cop with normal cop issues, right? So he's got the issues yep. with his wife and everything like that. He doesn't that. even like to fly. No. He doesn't yeah. like to fly. He's afraid of flying. Yeah. No, and he's killing like terrorists with feet smaller than his grandmother. <laughs> or his sister, whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, smaller than his sister. Yeah, and the whole thing true. makes sense because he has to be a cop to beat the terrorists. And like he uses, you know, his skills. Obviously he knows how to use a gun. He's he knows how to recognize fake IDs, all that type of stuff. So like his training and his experience comes into it, but not in a way where it's unbelievable that he would be taking these guys yeah, out. He, exactly. He's, he's the perfect level. It's not like if one of us were to do it, I would have no idea how to use four different types of machine guns. You know, like <laughs> it, it would be unbelievable for me to take out the terrorists. But for him, at least, okay, he has training. I think I knows. could figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we, Anthony and I would be fine. <laughs> I think I could figure it out. We shoot guns all the time. We'd, we'd be okay. Uh, I'd be the Ellis. There's, there's, yeah, you would be the Ellis. <laughs> if, if you don't need to do long term maintenance on a gun and you're just going to use it really quickly in a short period of time, there's no. Not really a whole lot that's going to be overly. Well, I played Duck Hunt too. Yeah, I was going to say, where's the safety? Where's the magazine? How do you how do you load it? How do you cock it? Okay, great. Um, So I was just looking here on IMDb, and I was looking at that the the actual names of the two Johnson characters, right? So Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson. No relation. No, no relation. So you've got Robert Davy, 
Okay, also from Goonies and from a, a lot of other movies. He was from License to Kill. Nice. He was the main bad guy in License to Kill. Um, he is Big Johnson. Okay, and then there's <laughs> Grand Bush. That guy's name is Grand Bush, and he is Little Johnson. So, so Grand Bush. I really the- thought you were going to say it was Big Johnson and then Grand Bush Johnson because that would have been even better. No, that's his, his real name. Big that's Johnson the, the and Little Johnson. The actor's name is Grand Bush. And, and maybe that's... Playing the character, Little Johnson. <laughs> that's probably a sign that it was being written as they were filming. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. That's something that happens on set. What are we going to name this guy? Big Dick. Uh, yeah. Let's be a little less oh, we, got, we got Big Johnson yeah. and Little Johnson, the Johnson yeah. brothers. You know? <laughs> uh. So then... All right, so let's let's talk about Die Hard. Let's talk about the other, the other movies because there's a lot of fodder and theories that we need to discuss. So yeah. Die Hard 2 is... I'm just going to come out and say it, a disappointment. Yes. It's it's very much a disappointment. It They try and do too much of what they did in Die Hard 1. Like, there's the scene with him, like, crawling in the air conditioning duct, right? Yeah. Like, the same thing that happened in Die Hard another 1. Another explosion, another yeah. yippee ki Yeah, another right. yippee ki Although... The yippee Kaye in the second one was really, really cool. And, and like, I did like the whole thing. Oh, when airport. he blows up the plane with the yeah, gas. And trailing, he had to, yeah, and he put the fire down so the plane could land yeah, and everything. Yeah. Like, and but he, the does, big... he ejects out of the exploding plane. Like, really great. cool. Much more of, of your typical 80s action <laughs> flick. Um, a lot of the characters, you lose a little bit of that charm in, in the way that they're portrayed. It, it seems that they're just. They're a little bit – you're starting now to get into more of the 80s-style character where it's just kind of cheesy and well, the problem everybody is, is a caricature. It doesn't feel real, it feels like. Motivation a, makes no sense. Yeah. You have a, yes. you, you have, a, you have at this point, then several soldiers. You have, you have like, two platoons full of soldiers who yeah. are just completely, like – committing terrorism and here's what's interesting yeah, like how much money are they yeah. getting paid there's like 30 of them also here's here's what's funny in the first movie they're crooks pretending to be terrorists right right and this one with all the white americans they are 100 percent the terrorists like, oh, they, yeah. like this is oh, terrorism yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's why the movie suffers because the the biggest issue with die hard 2 is the villain like oh, from, yeah, from, the, so. from the very first moment we see the villain you're already kind of put off by him because he's doing naked Tai Chi in his hotel room. <laughs> I was gonna I was just, just gonna just say like, that. Like again, man, hey, whatever floats your boat, but like this you doing naked Tai Chi does not help me understand your character. <laughs> Again, it's just a classic 80s trope, dude. Dude, ninjas yeah. and karate and everything like that was so cool in yeah. the 80s. Like, for some reason, people locked on to martial arts in the 80s. Yeah. And like, but white guys doing martial exactly. arts. Exactly. That's what's and important. It was, and it's not <laughs> even kid. And it's not even good martial arts. It's yeah. not even, like, clean technique. It's not even effective technique. It's just, like... Hey, I'm naked in my yeah. <laughs> I'm naked in my hotel room. Well, it all like came doing kicks and chops, and, and I'm doing like a karate yeah. kata. Well, like, it, it all came <laughs> after Karate Kid, that obsession. Because before yeah. then, like you know, if you watch a movie like Commando, right? Like the the fight scenes in Commando are very bungling, just big bruising fight scenes. Yeah. Right. But then, like when the Karate Kid happened, and people, like you said, became obsessed with like karate and ninjas and shit, then the fights started to become like a little. They're still bumbly, but all action movie fights were then now based around karate like all of yeah. them were <laughs> and, and there was a lot a lot to be said about like the more adult movies from the 70s right a lot of the different like black exploitation films like they're all based around kung fu and yeah. karate right you you look at somebody even even something as as like over the top as dolmite 
right? Yeah. Dolomite, Dolomite is such a great, great movie. movie. It's so funny. It's so incredible. And like the karate in it is, but like they couldn't do it without having that karate element because that was such a big part of that culture at the time. Yep. And and like that was the only way you got a chance to see those kind of heroes yep. on screen was through those. And, and every single one of them did Kung Fu in the 70s and karate in the 70s. Now like, is Die Hard 2 also a Christmas movie. I would say a hundred percent yes. So there is. No, I'm going to disagree with you. I'll let you go first, okay. and then I'll do a counterpoint. So there's there's one you know kind of solid argument, right? So so movies are a story, right? You're telling a story, and the way that the story I don't disagree with you there. The, the, the way that the story ends, right? <laughs> Correct. So you're you're leading up. So the way your story ends is really what is like the whole point of the story. So like, of course, you know, the destination is not just the the important part. It's also the journey, of course. Um, but in the destination, if you, if your destination is Christmas, it's a Christmas movie, right? Like if that's where you're going with your story. Like if that's the whole point is like, hey, we're, we're telling the story about Christmas and we're going to end with Christmas themes and everything like that. So one of the biggest things I think in the original Die Hard movie is the very last line of the movie is Merry Christmas, and then they start playing uh, uh, Christmas music, Yeah. right? Let It Snow, I believe it was, right? And then in Die Hard 2, it is the exact same thing. They end with Merry Christmas, and they start playing Let It Snow. Here's where I will disagree. I think Which Die- is cool because Frank Sinatra. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's a great reference yeah. to Frank Sinatra. Um, so... The original Die Hard, in my opinion, is a Christmas movie because, like we mentioned earlier, um, the ideas of family coming together, um, being against greed, they are, like, ingrained into the movie. Yeah. Those same things aren't in Die Hard 2. Even though it's about him saving his wife, it's not about them becoming a family again. You know, right. like, they're already really good with the, in terms of being, you know, like, in a, in a relationship, everything seems to be fine between the two of them. Yeah. Die Hard 2 is a movie that just takes place at Christmas. There's yeah. less Christmas music. In Die Hard 1, that heist has to happen at Christmas for various reasons. Yeah. Die Hard 2, the reason that that event is happening is because this Noriega-type character is being brought in. Christmas plays no role. It might make the airport maybe a little bit busier, but... The terrorists are there because they're trying to save this Noriega-type character. So I think it's a movie that takes place at Christmas because you remove the snow and a couple of, you know, like the decorations. There's even less decorations. The yeah, whole there's thing, way less decorations. It's not like yeah. a full-on Christmas movie. I feel like it's it's a movie that takes place at Christmas. At, and that's during different. Christmas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like Batman Returns. No, Batman Returns, very different. I would say Batman Returns is definitely a Christmas movie. Ba- Die Hard 2, I can definitely see your argument, right? It is a movie that takes place during Christmas. Yeah. It doesn't have the Christmas theme. There's not talk about, like, presents and stuff and Christmas cheer and joy and stuff like that and being anti-greed and stuff like that, you know? So it, I would, yeah. I would, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming. And I would, they I would only said it there because this is, like, one of the worst types of sequel tropes. Like, so the, <laughs> so the first Die Hard was at Christmas. <laughs> Yeah. So they just felt like they had to make the second Die Hard at Christmas. At Christmas right. Also, this is one of these like terrible, convenient sequels. 
yeah. where it's not a continuation of the story where it's just like, oh, all the characters are back together again. Like, why is the reporter on the same plane as Holly McClain? Uh, <laughs> like, especially when he has a restraining order against her. Yep. It's so, it, and it's so convenient that they just want to bring back all the same characters. You know, the 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 brief call to Powell is like a nice touch. You know, he uses him yep. to, to like, um, to get the fingerprints for one of the terrorists or whatever. But, yeah, everything is like super convenient. And very much how Ellis is the true bad guy of Die Hard 1, the reporter whose whose character name I'm forgetting oh, is very yeah. much that the, 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 you know, he's he perpetually plays weasels throughout the 80s, but that guy, he is the real Thornburg. bad guy. Yes, he's Thornburg, the real bad yeah. guy of Die Hard he's too. He's so terrible because he yeah. he cuz what's great is there's that whole sequence where where finally Dennis Franz is like he, he's competent for the first time. <laughs> yep. and, and, and he like gives us rousing speech and he gets all the cops to go take down the terrorists, but yep. they get blocked because of the traffic jam caused by the, <laughs> the chaos. Yep. <laughs> just every every police officer in that movie is like the Gotham PD, just completely useless and utterly <sighs> terrible. And, he, and like Dennis Franz is such like he's such a caricature of a police officer. His like, whole his whole thing. Like, yeah, he's, the way he talks. Yeah. The way and, and like because well, he looks like a caricature of a, of a of a fat overweight. Like like when people are like you know oh pigs donuts blah blah blah. That's what you think of. You think of a guy that looks like Dennis Franz. And yeah. I love how yeah like throwing his weight around. Like look at me blah blah blah. <laughs> Even before McLean is sarcastic, which he is all the time. Whenever McLean meets somebody in authority, they immediately don't like him. Like <laughs> yeah. they just look at him and they like they're like the first reaction that in all of these movies that like the authority figure, be it a CIA agent, an FBI agent, right. um, uh, you know, a, uh, an airport cop. I was gonna say even future the, Governor Fred Thompson yeah. does not like him. All the, yeah, their their initial response is always like you're terrible, and that is actually I think one of the hints that that the um, that the um, army general that comes in to kind of save the day. Yep. He likes McLean immediately. That's right. one of the hints that he must he must be he must t- be a bad guy. He must be a bad yeah. guy. Because yeah. the yeah. authority figure they don't like John McLean. That's, I never actually really yeah. thought about that. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. That's that, a like, really like, good like, point. And and that whole like that whole thing is like so convenient that, you know, like like the same like unit is now being taken down by like a similar unit. Of like, course. Like, that yeah. used to be under his command, blah 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 blah. Yep. Yeah, it's so terrible. And and very cool to see Dennis Franz as a police officer pre NYPD Blue, right? Right. Which I mean, that was really that NYPD Blue role for Dennis Franz. I mean, that is just it's one of those roles that's it's legendary. It's yeah. iconic. And like, le- like he plays a, an alcoholic police officer in New York City who's dealing with real issues, and he's racist. He's way over the top racist in NYPD Blue. And this is like pre that where you're starting to see some of those elements of that character, yeah. right? That he ends up being an NYPD blue and he, he starts having some of those here in this movie. And let's not also forget how they just really upped the stakes in Die Hard 2 for no reason and just So cas- many more deaths. And, yeah, just casually crash a plane full of, what, at least 200 innocent people just like, they, 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 they never mention it again for like the rest of the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and the police SWAT team is obliterated. I mean, yeah. the, the level of, it's not like the first one like where we talked about how only, you know, bad people died. <laughs> yep. But wait, again, like, so, so talking about the police incompetence, I oh, I remember even the first time I watched that movie, how the SWAT team is on the walkway, oh, and they're all yeah. single file bunched up, and I'm like, 
Have you never just like that is not tactics? No, You're in a single file. Terrible. Like there's like the valley of death. Like I'm like those guys are gonna get smoked. Like yeah, you go across that one at a time. Yeah, <laughs> that's not like, that's not everybody. Or go around it. Like yeah. just go around it. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> and the movie also has this great meta quote that I want to mention, which is you know at the end when Holly spoiler alert guys Holly is saved. Uh, yeah, 30, 30 year spoilers. Thirty year spoilers. She goes. Why does this keep happening to us? Yeah, which, oh, yeah, which is it's, which at the time, um, I I don't feel, but at the end of like Die Hard Five, I'm just like, why do we keep yeah. doing this? Then we never, yeah. then we never see Bonnie again. Yeah, she's never in any of the other movies, yep. which is very. Although he calls her in number three at the end, but then leaves her on. Yeah, her well, on, I mean, on hold because well, obvious, he has to, obviously he the whole reason like the going. whole reason they got together at the end there was just so they can bang to have kids that'll appear in later movies. Well, uh, they, no, no, the kids already existed. I yeah, know the kids. True. Based yeah, on, yeah, yeah, you're right. Based on their age, they probably already did. Yeah. No, no, because we see him in the first one. We see yeah. like Lucy McLean like answers the phone. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Speaking. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. But do you see the son? He's mentioned, um, but and, and, yeah, you, and okay. you see him briefly because there's that sequence where they're interviewed by. That's right. The yep. true villain of the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and, and another thing I want to mention before we move on to Die Hard Three is that this was based off another novel called Fifty Eight Minutes by Walter Wagner about a completely different New York police detective. Right. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't unconnected um, novel. So right. what's interesting when we're gonna see this with each one of these movies is that these Die Hard movies weren't written for Die Hard or John McClane. Like each one is something completely different. Mm-hmm. And then adapted. They just put. They slot John McClane into another character. Yeah, well. it's it's almost you like kind of feel that. Yeah, and you 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 do, and you kind of feel the fact that they're just kind of like, oh, hey, let's put Bruce Willis in it and call it Die Hard. So like instead of calling it, you know, some other different action movie. Yeah, let's actually. You know what we could do is we could actually get a little bit more viewers. Is we'll just uh, we'll throw the name Die Hard on this, and yeah. we'll we'll have Bruce Willis come back and call the main character John McClane. So let's talk about Die Hard with the Vengeance because this is when the series gets back on track. And oh, Die Hard with the Vengeance man. is. I, I agree with you, Anthony. This is the second best in yeah. the Die Hard yeah. series. And, and it's very, great. very not close. a lot of uh, competition there, but de- definitely agree. Yeah, also, I mean, also this, true. Is, this is very close to like being as good, if not even better, than the original. I mean, the, there's the the way that it ends is a little bit drawn out, and it's a little bit like. You know, kind of deus ex machina at the end of the movie when they are finally capturing the bad guy. But the rest of the movie, like, and again, understanding it goes from a terrorist to a heist movie, just like the first one. But they don't have the same kind of tropes that the first one had. You know, you're 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 stealing from Wall Street in New York City and gold. It and takes place in the summer. <laughs> it takes place in the summer. It's great. Samuel L. Jackson is amazing. Putting a fake but not fake, like having a fake bomb in his school and again doing the same kind of trope as I'm not a monster. Like I just want people to think that I am. But then you realize, oh, wait a minute. No, he actually is a monster and he works with like monsters. He's no Hans Gruber. The um, no, I mean, he's Simon Gruber, which I actually thought was Cool. No, that was a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah because because it, it adds in and a little element Simon of like, says, yeah, you know, like, it adds in a little cool. bit of like revenge element to like keep you know almost, almost like it's like more of a continuity thing, I think, to make him you know Gruber's brother because then because you could very much like with everything they do with the like like you mentioned with the exception of the the one time he calls um, his wife, you could very much take that movie 
and it just exists outside of any other sort of continuity. Yeah. But like you said earlier, before we, we got on the uh, before we uh, started, that this was supposed to be a Lethal Weapon movie, yes. which is why he's got a partner, which is why there's the whole buddy cop dynamic, you Black, know, white guy, and it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. and it very much, you know, like the dialogue and stuff. It very much reads like a, there's a lot of that comedy element in there. It very much reads like a Lethal Weapon movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much. And it's just, it's so much fun. Like, I I love it. Like, getting a chance to see old school New York City, right? Yeah. Like, New York, yeah. back in the 90s, and it's just, I mean, it's it's really, like, a, a cool thing. Like, he does the... Well, that's, that's, he, our, that's our old school New York City, not, well, yeah, not yeah, the yeah, 70s yeah. old school. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, you're talking about New York from well, really yeah. only 25 years ago. There's four so different types really... of old school New York. There's yeah. 70s old school New York with all the sex shops. There's cracked out yeah. <laughs> 80s <laughs> New a, York. A good point. There's scuzzy 90s New York, and then there's... <laughs> yeah. And, but one of the things that I loved was they have that scene with the roll of quarters, yes. right? Because yes. they had to pay the toll. They exactly had, you know, what it was like, exactly 12 That's how he figures out their route yeah. at the end. Of, exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. And why it works as a sequel where Die Hard 2 didn't is that it's a completely different story. They don't shoehorn in the reporter. They don't shoehorn in, like, the same type of action. And we finally get right. the quintessential New York cop yeah. in New York. In New York, yeah. And here's what's interesting, too. We don't know why, and it's not really explained, but McLean's life really went off the deep end. So this is five years yeah, later. It went, right? it went and way he is, down. He is full yeah. on alcoholic. He's on suspension at yeah. the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Nursing yeah. a hangover the entire like, movie. Oh, yeah. The whole, that's like a, like, that's a like great a constant trope. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. You got and any aspirins? He hasn't talked to Holly <laughs> in a long time. And then even when they explain like his breakup with Holly, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, yeah. oh, like they had a fight on the phone. And he just didn't call her back. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of like what happened in the first movie too. Like they were talking about it. She moved to L.A. and they didn't really resolve it. Yes, before but at she least moved. he was still talking to her, and he was yeah. coming out to see the family. You yeah. know, it's a different level of estrangement. Yeah, well, but she didn't <laughs> know he was coming out. No, no, they did. No, when he shows up, she's completely surprised to no, see no, him. No, 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 no. She, 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 she was prepared for him because at the, at the beginning of the movie, she asked, like, has John called? Yet? Like, she, uh, she was yeah. prepared. She for didn't him. want him to come. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like there was tension there, but like it was clear that okay, they're estranged, but they still talk every once in a while. He calls his kids. He's coming yeah. out to spend the holidays with them. Like, right. It's a different level of estrangement, especially after. Two major events where he saved your life, and you've gone through this, and you've reconciled. Yeah, what an ungrateful just, bitch! To then yeah. just, but then why does he just not call? It, it implies basically that it's been months, if not years, since he's called his wife. I love how they're also still separated. Like I think, I think they're I think, not divorced I the, yet. <laughs> I think that the element, like we see very little, like they talk about it, but the element of him being an alcoholic. Which very common with police officers, unfortunately, because of some of the more traumatic things that they end up having to deal with on the job, is like it's it's much more powerful than it's really like it, it's really kind of brought to the forefront, right? Right? Like it's it's more, like it's it affects his life in beh the behind the scenes way more than they address in front of the camera. Well, see yeah. for and see for me, I actually kind of look to. Uh, the fourth Die Hard movie for like a little bit of explanation as to what's happened because in the you know in the first three they really only focus on the relationship between you know him and his wife but then in the fourth one you start to find out that like no he's just kind of like a shitty person all around as it relates to family because at the beginning of the fourth movie remember his daughter fucking hates him like yeah. wants nothing to do with him and yeah. then of course at the beginning of the fifth movie he apparently hasn't talked to his son in 
a very long time because yeah. he doesn't know that he's a CIA agent, you know. Yeah. Like, and all of that is is it coincides with alcoholism. Like, it, yeah. it, if you know, if there any of our listeners are out there, if you've ever had alcoholics in your family, you know, I'm sure that these are some of the same things that you have gone through with some of those family members. Where you know, sometimes you know, they just they kind of go off the deep end, and it's really hard. Even for some of the wonderful things that they've done in life to just constantly keep forgiving them and going back to them. But you always obviously want to help. You want to be there for them. But it just it does. It, it ends up being very, very taxing on families. He's but also set in his ways. Like very. Apart from he's very, yeah. he's yeah. very much, you know, we see that in the beginning. But you can you can see how at every point in his relationship with both his kids and his wife, even beyond the move to L.A., He's he does he wants to do this and he's not and he's very you know like yeah. rigid and I can see that being being a major issue. Also, I want to talk about the plot real quick of Diary of the Vengeance. It's basically Goldfinger with extra steps. Oh man, it's great! <laughs> it's so great though, and it ends up being it's so much more of a detective story. It really is. Right. Yep. Like going through all of yeah. the different steps to like really determine like you know what are these guys doing and are, tracking them down. Yeah, and because going depending on the time the you are in the movie, there are three. There are three things that the villains are trying to do. At first, you think, okay, flat out revenge. Mm-hmm. They're trying to uh, cause havoc. Well, you don't know that. Do ter- well, you don't know that they're out for revenge, right? Well, right in you, the beginning, you, you learn pretty early. Yeah, but but yeah. you learn. Yeah, yeah, you, you learn, learn later, you, and you know they've got yeah. something against McClane. Yeah, you know there's some reason it's yeah. McClane. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. right, yeah. right off the bat. But you're right. Yeah. Then later you, you learn who Gruber is. Right. The and then sec- they want to blow up a school. The, yes, and then the second villain plan is that okay. Then you learn. No, they're actually stealing all the gold from the Federal Reserve Bank right underneath Wall Street. So, you know, it's just a flat out that. But then you learn that they are feigning that they're going to destroy all the gold, which is exactly what Goldfinger was. Goldfinger wasn't stealing the gold from Fort Knox. Right. Yep. It was irradiating the gold from Fort Knox, right. making it virtually worthless and then tanking the U.S. economy. They want to do the same thing, but the Federal Reserve has money from all over the world. They wanted to, like, tank right. the entire Western economy. And then you find out that there's like a double cross where Simon Gruber is going to pretend like he destroyed all the money. But in reality, he keeps, he the money. keeps all, keeps the, money. all yeah. the money. Yep. Yeah. So. What's what's better than destroying all of the money is making everyone think that you destroyed yeah, exactly. all the money and keeping all of the money. No, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and then it seems like they're like going to take over a country. It's, it's, it's very unclear what his next step is. He doesn't get there because obviously right. John McClane stops him. Because well, the vengeance is, is, is an element too, though. It's like, which I, I like how it's like, you know, they make you. Like unlike the first movie where it was very clear Hans Gruber was only in it for the money, yeah. the the line is a little bit blurred between you know he keeps on saying he's not out for vengeance as much, not like an afterthought, like fuck John McClane, but the way he acts sort of contradicts that. So it's a bit of a blurred line, but I like it. It works. It's brilliant. It's clear that he wants to kill John McClane. Right. He, he has you know he doesn't like that he killed his brother. He definitely wants revenge. But at the same time, he's brilliant enough to know that okay. That is a great motivation for a head fake. Right. Yeah. That that the authorities are gonna not think twice. Like, oh, yeah. McLean killed his brother. Of course, he's gonna be doing this crazy thing right. as revenge. He's like, able to keep yeah. his emotions in check, which is cool because so many other movies don't do that. Like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know why the the first example that pops in my head is obviously Infinity War. You yeah. know, when they're pulling the glove off of Thanos, yeah. and it's like, you know, we won, we've got it, and Star-Lord just loses his shit about Gamora, even though, like, they're this close to saving the universe. Yeah. But he could have just waited, like, 30 more seconds before punching him in the face, <laughs> and everything would have been fine. You know, it's like, so you don't see that very often in movies where they let the characters, um, like, 
exist in a way that makes sense for the story as opposed to a way that only makes sense emotionally because they feel that nobody can ever control their emotions. And that's yeah. he almost gets away with it. Because right, he almost yeah. gets away with it, yeah. And it's really cool because they do a lot of like twists and turns in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Like, like that, that scene, because you think that, like, okay, he specifically picked out John McClane for revenge. And then you're like, you realize, oh, okay, he specifically picked out John McClane not really for revenge, but for like more of a distraction yeah. than, than revenge. But then you really realize that, no, yeah, there is a little bit of revenge there. Like they, there's a, that great scene when they're on the boat and John McClane is like, like he interrupts him and he goes, you know, your brother was an asshole. And, <laughs> and like Simon scene. stops. Yeah. Dude, it's such a great scene. And he stops and he goes, ha, he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, he, he was an asshole. You, you, you got his number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got his number. And, and, but you can see he's so mad. Yeah. You yeah. can see how mad he is that John McClane said that. Like he's like, yeah. And I do want to mention one other thing. Because this um, this plays into four and five, the original ending for Die Hard with a Vengeance, they they, they wrote a couple, they filmed other ones, yes. had him failing. Yes, had John McClane being disgraced, fired, blamed for everything. Gruber gets away with the money. Really, yep. and and there was a couple of different endings. One of them involved him months later finally tracking him down. Another involved them basically playing Russian roulette at a bar. Months later. You know, McLean finally wow. tracked him down. So there's, so, so they almost ended this with this like really dark, tragic ending for McLean, which means that there wouldn't have been a four and a five. Like right, they had right. gone, it's, it's much like in our which, previous episode we talked about Clerks, which clerks might not have, have been a bad. Ending. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean that would have been, like, especially if, like that would have maybe that would have led to him being a better family man. Like if he's no longer a cop, does that make him like? Get back together with the family and all this stuff. You know, I think no, you 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 really he, does. No, they they would have made him the villain. He becomes the next. See, that <laughs> would have been great. Yeah. That would have been so great. And Schwarzenegger, especially is the if like you didn't right. know, like if it was called a Die Hard movie, you didn't know Bruce Willis was in it, and then all of a sudden he shows up as the right. bad guy at the yeah. end, yeah. as like the big reveal. Like that would have been awesome. But see the problem. See the problem with those endings is that is is simply just the time that it was made. You know, like yeah. they don't they they didn't do endings like it was that. Like the for, highest grossing movie exactly. Of that year. For, like they big, weren't going to yeah. not set up another one. Even exactly. It took yeah. twelve years to make another yeah. sequel for big budget. That's always mo- in the back of your mind. Yeah. For well, big budget movies like that, they don't want to have the hero fail. Like they, no. the hero's always going to win in the end. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about especially it's kind of the, the things that they're dealing with right now, which which is just mind boggling with what they did with Wonder Woman. But usually they're so protective of franchises, right? Yeah. So you've got you know, you know Die Hard because it's not just the success of one movie. You're talking about franchise. You're talking about lunchboxes. You're talking about action figures. You're talking about this entire franchise. Sobieski that, Vodka. Sobieski Vodka, which, <laughs> which, which, by the way, before we talk about the last two movies and get into the fodder, I need another drink for all this. Well, yes. I was going to say, they're yeah. actually very good Moscow mules. I know they are. Mm. Keep talking. I'm going to make drinks. So I'm going to set the stage for Live Free or Die Hard while you're making uh, Moscow Mule Round 2. Live Free or Die Hard. Once again, just... A terrible name. Tagline so made it to a title. It went from a terrible name, Die Hard to Die Harder. Okay, so <laughs> Die Harder. Okay, to Die Hard with a Vengeance. Cool name. To once again a terrible name. Live free or die hard. Die the hardest. Oh. <laughs> and you know, there's, so it's, it's just hubble. Like I could see somebody, like some nerd in in the, the in like the boardroom is just like, oh, hubble, 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 hubble. This is a great name for this movie. And it's terrible. 
no question. But the only kind of thing where that works is that so there's a live free or die, you know, snake flag. And like this is about saving America, so I kind of get where they're coming from because you know yeah cause, the, cause, the cause, idea cause, of the fire sale is really cool because they're raising the stakes. Yeah. First movie, he saves his wife and her uh, and her coworkers. Right. The second movie, he saves an airport filled with you know hundreds of people and thousands more on planes. Right. In the third one, he's basically saving the entire Western world. Yeah, <laughs> the economy. Of yeah, the, the economy. World. Yeah, for sure. And now he's saving like the very existence of America. It's definitely like post nine eleven. Yeah, it is. And yeah. just like the previous three uh, versions of Die Hard, this was based on something completely different. There was a nineteen ninety seven Wired magazine called The Farewell to Arms, mm-hmm. and it was written right about the time when the internet and uh, connectivity. Um, was becoming an important part of U.S. infrastructure. So, uh, so it kind of saw the kind of Russian hacking that you know, like the the Skuznik and all that type of stuff that we're seeing now. It saw hacking as a terrorist plot, and so they actually wrote um, a script called WW3.com, and it was supposed to be its own thing, like a Roland Emmerich type, you know, movie where terrorists try to take over uh, you know, America or, or cause damage with computers. But this being Die Hard, they just took that script and they just shoehorned in mm-hmm. John McClane. It became yeah. a John McClane vehicle. Now, there's a lot to like about the movie. I think that the action is over the top, but it's it's a lot. It, it, it's okay. Like it's you know it's a it's a it's a 2000s movie. It's an early 2000s movie, right? It's it came out in 2007. Yep. Um, Justin Long plays the you know kind of buddy cop role in this. Uh, I thought Timothy Oliphant. I I'm a big Timothy Oliphant you fan. You put him in anything. Yeah, he's what saves in, the movie. Yeah, he really is. I mean, he does a great he's, job because again, like we talked about before, he's he's the good. He's a good villain. Yes. He's not yeah. doing naked tai chi. He's not into like you know furry type. Porn stuff. He's a good villain with a good backstory. Yeah. And it becomes personal eventually, but at first it's not. It becomes personal when he kills, when John rather, kills his girlfriend, which makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's a good thing. And one thing I want to do is I'm going to play a clip right now and this is what I think is you know, like the best s- the summation of Live Free or Die Hard and its problems. So we'll just pretend that we're playing a clip right now. But I'm, I'm just going to read it out because we I have the clip. I'll send it to Matt. We can edit okay. it in. Do you want me to hook up the board to the audio? Nah, we can do that in post. Yeah, yeah, what? We'll no, I can't. Fuck you. Edit this. But no, put it up on the board. I'll yeah. send it to you. Yeah. No, because yeah. I don't have the clip ready right now. I don't have the audio clip right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, But so the thing is, it's from The Office. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I can do it. No big deal. Right. I, I will do it if you really want to send it to me. I'm just fucking with you. All right. So. You know what? Here's the thing about Die Hard 4. Die Hard 1, the original, John McClane is just this normal guy, you know? He's just a normal New York City cop who gets his feet cut and he gets beat up. But he's an everyday guy. In Die Hard 4, he is jumping a motorcycle into a helicopter in the air, you know? He's invincible. It just sort of lost what Die Hard was. It's not Terminator. And it's also PG-13. Yeah, and, and they hide the motherfucker with a gun. Yeah, they do. But they, I, but yeah. what I like about that quote is that like it's it's true. Like we talked about in the first three movies, John McClane is a normal everyday guy, and in Live Free or Die Hard, he's not only tremendously <laughs> lucky, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think Live Free or Die Hard is a is a hallucination. Mm. I, I for whatever reason I believe that movie not to exist in the continuity. I I even I I'm one of those few people that enjoys. The last one, for an ironic reason, but for whatever reason, I can't stand Live for Your Die Hard. Uh, so it was like a fever I dream. Love, like he's, I, wait, you, he's in enjo- you enjoyed I, Mother Russia? I, I actually... Enjoyed in the sense of, oh, I know this is a terrible movie. Okay, but fair. Like, having, <laughs> like, there's things that happen in that that are just so unbelievable. That it's like you can't see that. That's a funny thing. I would actually put "Live Free or Die Hard" ahead of "Die Hard 2. Really? I, I thought, yeah, I thought like I liked oh, yeah. because I would too. It was it was right. So 2007. You got to remember, like you know, 13 years ago, 2007. Um, you know, we we've got the dawn of the internet really happened in like 97, right? So you've got about a decade into the internet, right? And so you you're, you're now like so it's it's a little bit more computer hackery. It's got a really cool villain. It does have the over the top action, and it does take John McClane and turn him into a superhero, which is ridiculous. But and I, I thought it was really good. It was definitely it was it was a, at least a fun movie, and it didn't feel like it was. It felt innovative. It it felt taxing. I had never heard of a fire sale before, especially right. in terms of. You know what would happen with the United States, um, and uh, yeah, and 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 it was really good. And 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 now stop me if I'm remembering this wrong, but isn't there a Kevin Smith cameo in it, Live Free? He or actually Die? has a, a, a fair, a fairly yeah. large role. Actually, yeah, he's, right. Yeah, yeah, he's the hacker. He's yeah. like the yeah, Kevin he's Smith. Great. is he wrote like that scene. Did he write? He wrote, I rem- oh my god, he wrote that scene. He was he was uh, he was doing like one of those. Uh, those stand-up tour things where he's like just talking about his life. Yeah. And he went on to be like, hey man, we want you in, Bruce Willis was like, hey man, we want you in this scene, but we're having trouble writing the scene. And Kevin was like, motherfucker, just give me a laptop and I'll hammer up. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do this in 25 (laughs) minutes. Yeah, yeah, and like, I loved Kevin Smith in his role. And like, he's like the funny, like basement neck, you know, like he's like the basement dweller, like. All right, now I have to be fair because I have, I've seen the first three diehards Recently, yeah. but the, it's been a long time since I've watched Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah. So you know what? I was gonna I'll say the same thing. It. Yeah, I'll it's it's, it. it's worth a rewatch. It's definitely worth a rewatch. And it's if you don't go in expecting too much, you won't be disappointed. And it has the family stakes, which yeah. the third one didn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to save his daughter, and at the right. end, right? Even though it's not a Christmas movie, it brings the family back together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing, because like, I, like, I haven't seen it in a while either, but I remember Justin Long being in it, and I thought that Justin Long was his son, but I guess he wasn't. No, no, Ju- Justin yeah. Long is... Well, well so this is... This was, is the problem. Like, yeah. Why does it's, why does John McClane... Like, this so, is why it's a problem. And it could yeah. have been like written just slightly differently, but for some reason... So John McClane is down, down at Rutgers, and he is... Like yeah, that's spying. the other thing. He's at Rutgers. He's, yeah, he's spying, spying on, his, on daughter. His, his daughter. Whatever. And because he's the closest cop to Camden, New Jersey, yeah, he has to pick up Justin Long's character, who's a hacker. Because you know, basically, there's a you know the 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 U.S. government is starting to get the feeling that there's some sort of terrorist you know right. attack, hacking attack mm-hmm. happening. So they round up the usual suspects. Justin Long is one of them. But instead of calling it the New Jersey State Police or like the Camden Police. They call the New York City police, who are like two hours from Camden, yeah, to like pick up Justin Long. And yeah. it's not like they're specifically asking for John McClane. He just, like, that would make right. sense. All right, we need the stud cop to pick up this guy. No. Yeah. 
It's just that John McClane happens to be the closest cop to Jersey because he's the only New York City cop who's two hours away in a squad car. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And that's it why just it happens to be in the area. And it, and it takes away that whole trope of, you know, wrong place, right time kind of thing, which yeah. was like, you know, again, a total trope, but it's one of the things that made Die Hard Die Hard. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, no, we need John McClane. He's the only one that can save us. <laughs> but then, but then, they, then they immediately revert back to the authority figures hating him and fuck yeah. you, you're a loose cannon. And the biggest problem with Die Hard, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, is that it's PG-13. Yes, That is the definitely. biggest fucking problem yeah. because everything becomes so, like, like, you don't really. Everything becomes cheesy. Like, and like, but you don't notice it when you watch the first three because like you're expecting it, but it's noticeably watered down in the fourth one. When you, like, it, it, again, like in very subtle ways because the movies are not really gory or anything like that. There's not a whole lot of cursing, but like it comes, it feels natural. It's not overblown, yeah. but it's so obvious in Live Free or Die Hard that they're going out of their way to not do that, yeah. and it just it just sticks out so bad. And you're like, oh, yeah. There's a tremendous yeah. amount of destruction, but not in the bloody gore like right. way. Yeah, Again, he I, flies a fucking cop car into the helicopter, like we said. Like, and then, what the and then he fuck? takes down a fighter jet. Oh like, god, yeah. I forgot he about the fighter jumps, jet. He jumps on a fighter jet like he's you know in. In Avatar, like in his yeah. like, it. like he's yeah. in his thirties. <laughs> yeah. Oh I will God. ask you guys this then. This is my my only question for you guys. Wait, by the what way, this he... is Christian Cordez right here from yeah, the shared that's universe. That's the disembodied yeah. voice jumping <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> like, welcome, no, no, welcome no, to the show. Right. I just want people to know who's talking. Like this yes. is great. I love when we have this, yeah. dude. Like you're t- you're speaking my language. Uh, I, love I love these it. movies. <laughs> but my question is, do you think that Live Free or Die Hard would have been the better movie if they had just let it be full on R rated? Would you have accepted? Yep. McLean hopping onto a jet. Well, I, so oh, I, was, I, was, I don't think they, they would have had, had to do it. Yeah, that, exactly. Have, I, I think if, I think it, if yeah. they gave it the R rating, they would have taken away all of that other over the top nonsense and made it a little bit more down to earth. It would have been and more it gr- been it better, been gritty. Yeah. And and I think that what we're seeing with this movie is a little bit of the the studio over control, right? Because yep. the studio again trying to protect a quote unquote franchise, you know, and you've got these people and they're like, oh well if we just like you know if you have a movie that is like right on the edge of being rated R and right on the edge of being PG thirteen Right. If you can make it PG thirteen, it's going to open it up, or at least that's the thought process, to a wider audience. Right. Yep. You're going to have a lot more people who are going to be able to see the movie. And I'm also going to say that it's not so much over control. I think it's also a bit of when you see studios and they or, and directors and whatnot, um, and they get you know because. Think about the first three movies. Not massive budgets, right? No. Because there's not a lot of special effects, very down-to-earth, you know, um, with the exception of Bruce Willis, not a lot of big-name actors that you have to pay. I very much feel that Live Free or Die Hard was one of those situations where they were like, no, you know, let's just throw an extra $40 million onto this budget. And then you're sitting there going, it's like, well, I got to use it. You know, let's blow up some fucking fighter planes and launch cars into helicopters. Or I got to use the budget, you know, like. <laughs> or fake blow up the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah so it's one of those things, you know, like sometimes you sometimes like you see movies and you're like, you're like, oh, God, this movie needed like a bigger budget, you know. But other times you see movies and you're like, okay, they're just wasting money at this point, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of movies like that, and obviously there are more prominent actors. Uh, in, they dial it up in Die Hard Two, they dial it up in Die Hard yeah. Three. And Justin then, Long was a huge name in yeah, 2008 was, when they got him he, for that role. Yeah, yeah he was actually a, a very big name. That yeah. was like a big get, and so was the Timothy Oliphant. So was Timothy Oliphant. Timothy yeah. Oliphant. I think he was mid mid justified yeah. at that point, or and even or if he wasn't justified, it he, had was started, but he was Deadwood. Yeah, he was big. He was um, Deadwood, and um. 
Uh, what you, and uh, the other, the daughter, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. yeah, she was at the peak of her career yeah. around that time too. That was like Scott Pilgrim versus the World was right. coming up then. She had yep. that big role in um, the uh, the Grindhouse uh, ones that Rodriguez. Oh, did. She was yeah, in Death yeah, Proof. Yeah, yeah. Death, Death Proof, right? Yeah, she was. Like, in she Death was Proof. a big name at yeah. the time. So there was, was like a lot of like big names at the time. I think Tarantino. Yeah. Um, that were in this movie. So it's like you know it was a big budget like summer tentpole fucking movie. So that's why I think they sat there and were like yeah you know we just need to blow everything up, use all of our money, and just, like, make a big fucking summer movie yeah. that yeah. people want to see, which I that, also think kind of feeds into why it became... can go yeah. and see. Which yeah. I, I think why it became PG-13 also. It all just, it, it's all secular. Yeah, yeah, yeah the bigger yeah. the budget, the lower the rating typically. Yeah, it, they yeah. turned it into a summer blockbuster. Because you have a broader audience, right. you can make yeah. back the money. And I now, love that... Was, was, was Die Hard with a Vengeance released in the summertime? I know it takes place in the summer... Was it released in the summertime? I, I believe it was, sure. but I, I, I will right do a little bit yeah. of uh, yeah of research on that. Uh, but look right now, I think so. Um, and then the other thing that I want to mention is, so we mentioned, you know, Lucy McLean, but she actually goes by Gennaro. So his whole right. his family his hates cha- his last name. <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna say his wife changed her name in the first movie. Right. You yeah, know, and it's a he was movie. really. It is. It it's was. It was. Yeah, really okay. But see, but so yeah. um, so I'm glad you talked about the last name because that was one of the cringiest things for me on uh, a good day to die hard mm-hmm. at the very end when they were trying to like pass the torch and Jay Courtney's like. I'm John McClane. He's like, oh, John McClane Jr. Oh. You know, the whole movie he's calling him John, not Dad. Like he doesn't want to be known as like, dude. A good day to die hard is terrible oh. it's yeah. so bad but it's so entertaining Pure because schlock. it's just so everything that they everything that they started to do and live free or die hard with the over-the-top action, but still a little yeah. pulled back from a character perspective, they just fucking jizzed all over it in a good day to die hard, and it's just a explosion one minute after, and it's not—it's like ninety minutes of just nothing but explosions and bad dialogue. And oh, again and again, turning Bruce Willis just into a superhero, and he's oh, yeah. doing things that he jumps he went- out of a fucking twenty-story building and <laughs> survives. <laughs> he and his son are the only two people at the Chernobyl. Um, base at the end yes who do not wear suits like everybody yeah. else is in these like, <laughs> like hazmat like, suits hazmat suit, but but the two John McClane's don't have to worry about the radiation also it's like somebody was like writing this movie and they were just like what do I know about Russia well Chernobyl is oh, a Russia yes. thing yeah and here's Moscow that's what I know yeah <laughs> and here's all you need to know about this movie it was written by Skip Woods. Yes. Yeah. Of X-Men Origins Wolverine yes. fame. Yeah. Dude, and it's it's painfully <laughs> obvious because he just like the so just like again from the very beginning of the movie when they're like uh, the, just this New York City beat cop just comes to John McClane with, like, this CIA file. It's like, yeah, your son's in Russia. I, I don't know what's happening, but he's gotten himself into trouble. Like, oh, yeah, well, let me just go to Russia and see what's going on. Like, yeah, he's just so absurd. And so so his son is an undercover CIA agent. Right. And you're telling me that the Department of Homeland Security isn't going to, like, screen for his passport? Right. Like, yeah. like somebody, like, he should have been under surveillance. And that could have been a small, tiny thing. He yeah. could have been under surveillance. The moment he landed in Moscow, because right. the CIA knows that John McClane Jr. 
is a deep cover thing trying to save like Russian democracy. Yeah, and then just letting John McClane fly over Russia. Fly over there, nobody watches him. Also, this guy with a history of fucking things up, just fly over Russia. No big deal. That that, that should be paying. Like you know, like somebody from the embassy should meet him, and then like they could meet him at the airport, say don't do this, and McClane just does it anyway. But at least it makes sense. It's one line of dialogue. It's all you need to make a story make more sense. And how the fuck does John and Jack McClane get into the inclusion exclusion zone rather of Chernobyl? I know. They just drive there. They just drive there. So so here's the thing: they drive. I'm John McClane, and this is also John McClane. So so first off, it's important to note. Chernobyl is in a different country. That's also they true. They crossed yep. the Russian-Ukrainian border, yep. which was still, you know, like it's not as crazy as it is now in, in 2020, but in 2013, they still don't have the best relations. Yeah. So yeah. this, these two international fugitives who do not appear to have their passports drive a stolen vehicle <laughs> full of weapons. A vehicle that apparently belonged it's to Chechen terrorists. So great. <laughs> and they don't only, they not only easily, not even mentioned how, cross this international border, they then get into the exclusion zone, which is like a military thing. Like, like, like it's like a second border. And there's not even a shot of them, like, you know, like having to, like, turn their lights off as they drive past somebody. Like, they literally just drive straight as though, like, we're driving to Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Dude, it's, it's, it's absolutely just, just incredible. Drive right in. It's, it's absolutely incredible how yeah. they do it. And the, and the other thing, too, is that it's like if you notice, too, throughout the entire movie and all of the, the car chases and explosions that happen in broad daylight in Moscow, not a not, cops, not nowhere to be found. Even in American movies during a car chase, you at least get some useless fucking cop cars showing up to the scene of like whatever's happening because they're literally rolling tanks through the fucking streets of Moscow. And it's just like, again, like you said, I don't know much about Russia, but I'm sure that, you know, tanks rolling through the streets is a normal fucking well, thing. I, and I saw it in a Bond movie. Yeah, exactly, so, right? Yeah, like, yeah, work nobody for cares about yeah. it. I'm just like... Dude, but, but again, so yeah, so that movie just goes full over the top action movie with zero concern about plot or character or anything. And it's it's, it's terribly good. It's yeah. terribly and message, good. message to Hollywood, stop trying to make Jay Courtney happen. Oh, oh God, he's not right, going to happen. Stay, he's it's, not going to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's a not going to happen. It's a shame. He's just not... No, he's not very good. He's the opposite of The Rock. You bring in The Rock yeah. to save your franchise. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep bringing in Jay Courtney into what? Terminator. And this. They keep and, adding and him Suicide into. Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, keep adding him yeah. into these franchises. He's thinking, killing oh, everything. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's just so... not. He's not. He's not a great. He's not a great actor. Yeah. I mean, he's he's. I, I mean, I'm sure he's very, very talented. Way more talented than I am. But, um, you know, just. I mean, I mean, maybe but it's, you're, it's, you're, it's, you're maybe not the it's, level of actor we no, compare people to. Uh, you know, it's it's maybe it's <laughs> yeah. it's just the directing that he's getting. Or but now here's the, I don't know. So here's the real question: Die Hard's one through five are all canon. Yes, and one last Correct. thing yeah. for that is, of course, Lucy McLean has a you know a large cameo in five. So like, I love her so cameo. It's, yeah, it's yeah. good. It ties in. Yeah, it, it's one of the few movies where like oh. Like the previous movie actually ended up well for right, actually happened. Him and yeah, like it's yeah. good for John. He seems to have a relationship with his daughter, and then by the end of the movie, he has a good relationship with his son and daughter. Right, it's kind of like a happy upbeat thing that ties everything in. Yeah, yeah. But go on, you're about to go. No, I was, just, I was just gonna say. I mean, so I mean, this is pretty clear that the first five movies are canon. Unfortunately, now here is the real question: Is the AutoZone commercial that just debuted <laughs> like a month or so ago, is that in canon? And where does it fit into the so, story? So it has to be a fever dream. 
like so during, this like, is a fever dream well like, it's a diehard thing i think maybe like during diehard three when he's like passed out and drunk <laughs> yeah yeah because it because it That's has a, a bunch of characters who are dead well In argyle's the... not dead no but all those terrorists they bring back the same terrorist actors yeah and, that is a good point and they're no, dead the computer hacker didn't die the computer hacker the black computer hacker didn't die that's true he didn't die he survives yeah he survives right was he no. the what, what other actors did they bring back I'm trying to no, remember I thought, now. I, I thought that that guy died. The black computer hacker? Yeah, he no, died. No, Argyle just crashed into the ambulance. Tell you what, Christian, yeah. can you pull it up on the big screen? Can we <laughs> yeah, have, a, can we have the, the actual AutoZone commercial on the big because screen? Because they, yeah, because Christian, yeah, because Christian is right. Argyle slams the limo in, but yeah. like they, they definitely yeah, show you guys. Die. They definitely show, no, not Argyle, the the, the black um, uh, oh, computer, computer hacker, hacker. Right, they, right, they right. They definitely show yeah. him like losing consciousness behind the steering wheel and whatnot, but they don't make it very like everybody else that dies in that movie. It's very clear that oh, they are dead. So this is interesting. So maybe. Because the 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 only the only the only issue I have with the fever dream idea is why would he have a fever dream where he's thirty years older in that dream? Well, I like the idea. It could, be, it could be it could be a fever no. dream he's having right now. No, because like, he still you know, had hair and Die Hard with the Vengeance. He doesn't lose. He doesn't go full. He doesn't go full right. skinhead until, until uh, live free or li- die hard. Live free or die hard. Yeah, right. he still has hair. Right, because he's old. And yeah. he's like ah, well, he doesn't have a lot just of give hair. Up on the hair. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have a lot of hair, but he still has it. I'm on the okay. Die Hard wiki right now, looking to see if Theo dies. Oh, right, hold on. This is such a great. It's like a two minute commercial. I forgot like how yeah. long the commercial is. This is Yo. fucking amazing. <laughs> she looks like Gal Gadot. I need one of those. Don't bring that into this. <laughs> no, no, no way, Al. Um, it's a happy place. I know. Come on. You kidding me? Did you know we have He's crawling through the air vents. <laughs> Dude, this is such a great. <laughs> whoever, whoever thought of this yeah. as. Uh, as a marketing boy, is absolutely genius. And Argyle's still driving the same limo. <laughs> this is so. This is so fantastic. The limo is bulletproof now, apparently. Yeah. Also, I think this is a commercial that's Christmas. It's not set at Christmas. I think it's the affinity of Christmas. Yeah. Commercial. Yeah. Well, you see all the lights, all, all the lights on the trees right there. Those are Christmas. She's singing a Christmas song. It's about commercialism. Those are Christmas tree lights. <laughs> See, so so the so, so this I, guy isn't dead, so I stand corrected. Yeah. So this is so so. Here's why I. Oh wait, wait let's let's finish it. Then we'll get Argyle yeah. sleeping in the in the limo again. <laughs> yes. So, it's so canon. here's it's canon, but here's but here's be. where it fits though. So the only character aside from Argyle that comes back from the movies is the black hacker guy. Who can we get his actual character name? I He's feel bad Theo. calling him black hacker guy. Yeah. Theo, Theo, thank you. Okay. Yeah. It seems a, it seems yeah, a little Theo bit off from yeah. the first movie. Right. <laughs> so so he so he like we said in the first Die Hard movie. 
Argyle slams him with the limo and he's in the thing, but you never really see him die. It's not. Uh-huh. It's definitely not a killing blow. So it stands to reason that Theo survives the first Die Hard and keeping with the theme of vengeance has now returned roughly 35 years later to take vengeance on John McClane. And now in this commercial, again, even though you still don't see it, McClane tosses a grenade inside the cockpit or whatever of the forklift thing, and you don't see it blow up, but you assume that does. So finally, 35 years later, Theo has finally died. Yeah. So if there is a Die Hard 6 that brings back Theo. This scene is going to make this commercial not not canon. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good point. I mean, that would be a cool setup. Right? I think that to have a whole... Theo is just out for revenge. Well, they always base a Die Hard movie off of a different property. So the next Die Hard movie will be based off of this advanced auto parts ad. And it's just nothing but product placement the entire <laughs> yes, time. The whole movie is product yeah, placement. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be so cool. Dude, that'd be so... <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me get some of this booty sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was, All right, yeah. so, so let's talk about what's six not entry in into the canon. Yeah. So what's so, not in canon? So so one thing. So the first thing chronolo- chronologically, chronologically that, <laughs> that we should mention is the detective, yeah. which is a 1968 Frank Sinatra film. Yeah, and, and it, this is based on the book that was the prequel to the book that became Die Hard. Right, right. So the the same person who wrote the book, the the detective, also wrote Die Hard and. When Die Hard was first being made, um, they, they were contractually con- obligated. Yeah, contractually obligated to to offer the role to Frank Sinatra because Frank Sinatra plays the main character. Now he's not John McClane in the Detective. He goes by his. It's, he's his, Joe Leland. Yeah, Joe but he's Leland's the right. Same guy, and it's actually interesting watching. So it's a. Traditional kind of like grindhouse, I think is how you yeah, described it's it. One hundred percent, you could call offline, it because yeah. you know I don't know if that term was as common in the '60s as it was the '70s, but it's definitely a midnight movie. Sex and drugs, and, yeah, and like know. that's the way yeah. it's advertised. Mm-hmm. It's advertised as the most adult movie, and yeah. and you know, and it's it's super bloody and gritty, and this is the kind of thing that you'd go into a, a smoky environment movie theater, yeah. right, at midnight or one a.m. in in Times Square, and you'd see this movie in 1968. And it's shot, like, in New York. Yeah. You know, like, it has this gritty feel to it. And the story is is a typical, like, detective story. Like, Joe Leland is, like, pulling up threads, and, like, these seemingly unrelated cases come together in this big conspiracy. Your typical detective story. And it keeps on flashing back to his relationship with his wife, who in this one is called Karen. But it's the same thing. She's an educated woman. She has a career. Chinatown. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's very similar yeah, to that. very yeah, Chinatown. Because yep. it's about city corruption, right. the whole yep. deal. Yep. And he is separated from his wife during the events of the movie. Now, in this in this one, it's his wife's fault because she cheats on him. But, you know, they're, they're still separated. They don't have kids yet. But this is just what – it just seems like what John McClane would be like. Yep. Because we never get to see him sans terrorists. But this is just what he would be like if he's investigating a normal, yeah. like, case. And what's great about it is that – he is a tremendously progressive character for like a 1968 movie. Like mm-hmm. he he takes a stand against police brutality. Right. He's the only guy on the force when they're investigating the murder of a of a homosexual. He's the only one on the on the force who like has no problem with gay people. Yeah, very progressive ideas and and movie. But yeah. a lot of that was because. It was supposed to be. They wanted to tackle those issues. You could only do that yeah. in one of these more gritty midnight movies that 
that happened in the 60s. Yeah, he threatens to beat up a cop who, yeah. who pulled his gun and shot um and shot these um these black guys up in Harlem like who were unarmed. Yeah. Like right. he like it, it's it's really great. It makes him look like a really great character and and what I also like about it is that he has the same and in a way that only maybe Sinatra and Willis can deliver these lines. This like sarcasm the whole time. I'm going to I'm going to read off two lines that kind of you you see Sinatra say it in The Detective, but if you close your eyes, you can see Willis saying it in Die Hard. There is a moment early on where he's first dating his wife, and she says, why are you trying to sound so tough? And he re- responds, I am tough. Yeah. You can totally see McLean yeah. delivering that oh, line. Oh, absolutely. And there's another one where he's talking to his boss about why he hasn't been promoted. And his boss starts saying, you've never been able to. And then Joe immediately interrupts him and says, kiss ass. <laughs> and like you can see, like this is the same dynamic, and this is who John McClane was based off. It's, And I wanted to start with that because we don't know where Die Hard will go in the future. But one of the aborted projects that was supposed to be Die Hard 6 was going to be like a Godfather 2 movie. Where there would okay. be a young John McClane recast. And there'd still be Bruce Willis. And there would be something about the storyline that each one was investigating that would tie in. Just like okay. Godfather. Oh, uh, yeah. Godfather yeah. Godfather too. Right, right. And so I feel like... With Robert De Niro. Yeah, whatever the... would be happening with the young yeah, John yep, McClane, yeah. the detective could be a great you know, that would be basis cool. for that. Do you, that, that would do be you cool. think that ah. Joe Leland would have had an issue with the fact that Anthony's drinking his Moscow mules like a little bitch? <laughs> so... So, like Sinatra, Joe Leland was a hard drinker. He drinks throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, as we're talking about people who are blatantly abusing alcohol. That's right. Have alcoholism. Yeah, dude, we're, we're, we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> you're just making fun of me for not chugging this dude. Moscow Mule at eleven o'clock in the morning. We are we are method <laughs> podcasters. So in order to feel the role of John McClane, we have to slug this entire bottle yeah. of vodka and then go home and I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry that Bruce Willis doesn't have. A brand of warm milk for you. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. <laughs> I, man, I it's want my now, now I want now I want diehard milk and cookies. There should be like it's it's like like you remember in um, Vegas Vacation when they have like that that milk in like uh, the b- milk in the bag. Oh yeah, right? and it's like the processed milk. It's good for like years. Yes. Right? You could have your brand of die-hard milk and cookies that last for, like, they've got so much preservative and garbage in there that it lasts for years, but you probably won't because it'll give you cancer if you drink it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The so, brand is called Refuse to Die Hard. Yeah, Refuse, yeah, refuse to, die to Die Hard. No, you just took away Die Hard 6's name. Yeah, that should be yeah. <laughs> Refuse to Die Hard. So I would actually love if Die Hard 6... Was like now. I'm not a, a, a huge fan of remakes, but a remake of The Detective, and calling it Die Hard Six, and actually doing that movie with Bruce Willis in the style of The Detective, yeah, I think would be a great addition to the series. It would get John McClane back to being uh, uh, like your Johnny Everyman, right, and away from that superhero character. And it, you can you can tell a much more gripping, much more engaging story. That's very different from the superhero stories of today that you're seeing, right? Yeah. You can have Brilliant. a very gritty, very gripping detective story. And again, take some of the elements from Die Hard with a Vengeance and then have it in, you know, the detective. You can just call it, you know, Die Hard the Detective or The Detective Dies Hard, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you know, something like that. It would be it would be great. And 
And that would work for so many reasons because, like we talked about, the themes of that book are totally today. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like the two major events in in that book are there is a police shooting and they deal with police brutality. Like, like one of the guys working for for Joe Leland in the movie, like he strips down this um, this suspect and he's like in a room naked and they're like and they're like berating him trying to get him to confess. Yep. And like, you know, the McLean character Leland walks in and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, you like, <laughs> his clothes. Like, you know, and, and like so like that would be a great sequence, you know, cuz you deal with police brutality. And then the other thing is all about, you know, this this murder of uh, of a gay man and who's closeted and like they and they they have to go through like the underground like the pre-Stonewall riot New yep. York where like, you know, there's this like unease, you know, like where it's it's illegal, but kind of okay to be gay. And like, there's like these underground yep. spots for yep. where they hang out. So, I, I think it would be totally like, and you could you could almost have it be set in the past too. Like, you know, you could have it be, be a little bit of a prequel, or you could do you know you can do all types of things. Because yep, I mean that concept that you said, where like you could have a very gripping like police detective story yeah. that takes place both in the past as well as the present because like maybe it's like a serial killer or something yeah. like that or a mur- or like something you know in New York and and you know they have to tap John McClane cuz he it was one of the cases that he had worked on before the Nagatomi incident and you, you know? can throw in like an action sequence that's not in the detective yeah. you know it, you know you don't have to go over the top but you can have like a cool car t- you can do like you can throw in the John McClane tropes yep. yeah. while still being in the real world Yep. So the next part that More I want to fodder. ask you, if it if it's fodder, Bruce Willis is flat out John McClane in another movie. Die Hard Two had just come out in 1990. Oh, Die Hard gonna, Three had yet to come out in 1995. 1993, you have National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. Loaded one. Weapon. Loaded one. Weapon. It's important to note the one, even though they, they didn't get a sequel. They, they didn't knew. have a two. <laughs> they no knew three. it was going to be a franchise. <laughs> Loaded Weapon. One. It was a moneymaker, baby. There is an amazing scene. It's, it's actually a great movie. If you haven't oh, seen it, it's great. very yeah. funny. A lot of the National Lampoon's mi- movies are very hit or miss. This is a hit. And like, it's that, it's yeah. really, really good. Uh, it, Emilio Estevez oh. is in it. It's that it's rare great. parody, though. Like, so it's totally like so it, it it's kind of written around the Lethal Weapon series, but it you know does parodies of all those cop movies. Of course, like Die Hard, and there is a sequence where they are shooting up from a helicopter. They are like attacking. The bad guys, like, uh, like uh, with, with yeah. these, you know, like house or whatever, and they end up actually just destroying John McClane's trailer that's on the beach. <laughs> right. So very, very lethal weapon. It's, yeah. it's, it's. It, he's supposed to be the Mel Gibson character, yeah. but instead of it being Mel Gibson, it, it's, it's John McClane. And he, and he like comes out of the rubble and he goes, "What are you doing?" And then like he talks to the guys and they realize they have the wrong address. Like, yeah. oh, that's well, down the street. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I think it is canon yes. because it gives you a glimpse into what has happened with his life between Die Hard 2 and Die Hard with the Vengeance. That's Why the fuck a, is he living on a trailer in the beach? That's such it's a great totally point. on brand. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's that he's slow. in a trailer. He's an alcoholic. Yeah. Living yeah. In, that's why he doesn't care. Yeah. He's just like, he's probably three sheets to the wind. His yeah. whole house gets blown up. He's like, what's going on right now? Yeah, like he's You don't like, know no. exactly what's happened to him, but like you know, like you, you see this. This is in between the two movies, and he's a little dead. Down on his fucking luck, yeah. but maybe he doesn't care. I will go so far to say that that Die Hard with a Vengeance doesn't happen without this movie. Yeah, because at the beginning of this movie, that's fair. Bruce Willis is John McClane is living in L.A. Yep. And why does he move from L.A.? Because his house was destroyed. Yeah, and he moves <laughs> back to New York. So Die Hard with a Vengeance 
may happen, but maybe it happens somewhere else. Right. So, you know, this movie is the reason for Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's yeah. amazing. So, so Thank right. you, National Lampoon. So National yeah. Lampoon's loaded weapon, it's canon. Yeah, it's canon. Canon. Absolutely. Mark it down. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and then... And it explains so much. I really like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it makes sense. Like, that's why... And Samuel L. Jackson is in Loaded Weapon 1. And he comes back, and now he's in, in Die Hard with a Vengeance, right? Yeah. So I absolutely agree. If that cameo never happened... We potentially may not have gotten Die Hard with a Vengeance, which yep. is, in my opinion, the second best Die Hard movie that we have. So it, it, it's it's a clear character, uh, yeah. like that's his track. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You go from one to the next, to the next. It's great. Yeah, that's great. I now like then, th- this is a little bit further fodder, but I want to talk about this. So there's, I don't know how many people have played the Die Hard arcade game. Okay. Absolutely. So it's this in game, so <laughs> this game is top five arcade favorites of all time for me. This is up there with like the Simpsons and the X Men game and Area Fifty One. This game is absolutely fucking incredible. Not just because it's John McClane or a guy who's supposed to be John McClane doing kung fu throughout a Nakatomi Plaza type <laughs> building. Yeah, it is endlessly fun to play it's yeah. one of the most fun arcade games i have ever played yeah double dragon we'll, we'll give Basically, a uh, that's what it is yeah, yeah. kind of and yeah because yeah, you're picking up all of it's With Sega Saturn graphics people, because right. you have john mcclain and you also have this it's, it's new more character like final fight yeah like right. chris yeah. thompson yeah, yeah. and yep. he's like another random dude and yeah. then at the end if both players are still alive you fight each other on the yep. roof of a skyscraper to be like the boyfriend of the president's daughter like it's very clear why you're fighting you're fighting for the president's daughter's affection which is just makes no sense whatsoever (laughs) um but no it's great because yeah it's like a side scroller but it feels like a fighting game it's 3d it's 3d sega saturn and it it, it had kind of like almost like that that you know, boxy N sixty four kind of graphics. No, not almost. You know? It yeah. was yeah. I mean, like it yeah. was like it was. It was like remember Virtua Fighter in that game. Yeah, that's, that's what it that's like. exactly yes. what yeah. it was. So that's why I said Final Fight because it reminds me of Final Fight sixty four. Yeah, right. Right. Because Final Fight sixty four is very similar. You know, kind of you know game where you're picking up the random weapons, you're using it until the weapon essentially runs out of ammo, and then you're just throwing yeah. it away and like waiting to pick up another one. What I loved about the game so much too is that like yeah, you can you could pick up literally anything as a weapon. All of them were equally useful and fun yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, they they had different like abilities as far as the weapons was concerned. Like, like if you picked up a machine gun, like it would actually be a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I loved about it, so remember the the little like single button cutscene things you had to do, like you're running down a hall and it's like press kick now, you know? Yeah. Like in a normal arcade game, if they were to have things like that, if you botched it, you would just die. Right. But what was cool about that was that if you missed it, you just got an additional action fight scene to like fight your way through. Like it didn't really like, detriment you in any way. Right. You, you just had to spend more time. So you yeah. Do, yeah. yeah. You just spent more time fighting people. But again, it was just, dude. Endlessly, endlessly fun. The story made no sense because I think it, the, the game was made in Japan, wasn't it? It was, well, just a, yes. it was a licensing thing, right? So, so just like every other iteration of Die Hard, yeah. it started off as something completely different, and they just threw John McClane <laughs> yeah, on just top. Threw of it. John McClane into it. <laughs> so this is where you get into the fodder part. So it was a game called Dynamite Deco, which is yes. basically, it was basically just like Dynamite, Dynamite Cop. Cop. Yeah, yeah, Dynamite. So Cop. then, but so so they make this big game. Dynamite Deca does great in Japan. They call it Die Hard in the U.S. Does great in the U.S. Yep. Then that company loses the license rights to Die Hard. So now they have Dynamite Deca 2 in Japan. Yep. And it basically is John Mc, John McClane again. Yeah. They call it something completely different in the U.S. So it's not <laughs> Die Hard, but there's a Dynamite Cop, as it's called, or Dynamite Deca 2 in Japan. And oddly enough, the plot for that video game 
was one of the scripts that was originally written for Die Hard 3. Really? <laughs> so what happened is that early on in Die Hard 3's development, they were going to make a like a cruise ship be the setting. Okay. And yeah. in the video game, President's Daughter is kidnapped again. The Secret Service sucks in this world. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie became Speed 2. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what it that became. is 100% what happened because <laughs> they were making Die Hard 3 or they were, it was in development and then Under Siege came out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay, which and, is And they yeah. were like we don't want to be just like Under Siege. Right. So they Die Hard dropped the, the the plan for like that for that script. But the script still kind of existed and it was repurposed into Speed 2. Cruise control. Cruise control. <laughs> wow. The, the Sandra Bullock, uh, Willem Dafoe masterpiece. Dude, I think I think it, I think and my Jason parents, Patrick. You, oh, and Jason Patrick. Yeah, because Keanu, right. Re- Keanu Reeves didn't want any of that yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Patrick. Oh man. And it's so clear, like, it's so clear that it was written for Keanu Reeves and Keanu Reeves. Uh, I don't know if they were holding out hope or how when he dropped out, but it was so clear that they that like. That script was completely done, did, and then they didn't have Keanu Reeves anymore. Did they either. call him the did same it, character? Was it no, the same it's a character? Different guy. Different guy. I couldn't remember. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's like a copy paste. The only thing that they changed is that, like, apparently her relationship with Keanu Reeves didn't go well. Right. So she doesn't want to date cops anymore. So she so ju- she dates Jason Patrick. So she doesn't know that he's a cop, and then like then she finds out he's a cop. <laughs> yeah. Like that is their th- that is the source of their tension in their relationship. In the I beginning of you the know movie. you know what? I forgot about that part. I, I I saw Speed Two once and I was like I'm never gonna watch this movie again. Oh, but I man. forgot about that element. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I think I'm not gonna lie. I think I saw Speed Two in the theater. Like I, I went and, saw, and paid money to see it. <laughs> I, think I, I think at the time it was five dollars. Yeah, it was like, yeah. It wasn't an eleven dollar movie day. Yeah, All I a... remember there was something about leeches. Yeah, Will Defoe. Will Defoe is in the bathtub because he's sick. Yeah, that's why he's doing. That's why he does oh, what he does. Terrible. And he has the leeches like trying to suck the poison out of him. You know. Oh God, it's yeah. so bad. Yeah, that's a. That's just a great. So yeah. Speed Two, not canon. No, the Die Hard. <laughs> no, or in the, in the Speed Universe. No, yeah. but yeah, not even in the. Not even in his own universe. Yeah. Uh, well, so even so, the arcade games, right? Those are not canon. They're not canon, but I do think it's funny that you know they kind of took a very similar trajectory. As like the movies, and no, it's totally. kind of like a what if. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's so. It's, I mean, it's very easy to see. So here's what you could have done for the. Well, okay. No, because they never really explain it. The only way you you make the arcade version of Die Hard canon is if they make it very clear that it's John McClane's son. Yeah. Because you see in Die Hard oh. 5, he's got some you know kung fu moves on him because he's in the CIA, and everybody in the CIA needs to know how to do kung fu. It's, Whereas we yeah. know John McClane is a brawler. He's not yeah. a polished fighter. And in the Die Hard arcade game, it's just all fucking kung fu. Yeah, yeah, it's great, though. Like, it's so much fun. Yeah, like, he's throwing kicks left and right. Yeah, it's and so it's just great. like trying to think of John McClane throwing kung fu kicks. Is, Dude, it's like, it's hilarious. Exactly. And the best part is, too, it's like that you have these like it 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 wouldn't work either because the villains in the arcade game are so over the top. They all look like '90s, you know, like oh, gang members. And there's and like sumo yeah. wrestlers, of yeah, yeah, because the, it's a video game. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. like there's like a team of twelve. And there's just there. like the, the sumo wrestlers are my favorite. Like the, the tag yes. team, and you're like, what the fuck are these guys? Like, just, <laughs> and, and it's just so great. It's over the top. It's a really great video game that um, anybody who's local to the uh, Monmouth County area. 
Um, you can actually go and play this video game at Yestercades in Red Bank. So I've, if you know, I spent so many hours doing I that. Have, <laughs> yeah, I have spent quite a bit of time playing this video game at Yestercades. Um, but if you know where Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash is currently, the the current location of Secret Stash, it's almost diagonally across the street from where Secret Stash is in in Red Bank, New Jersey. Yeah, so, it's great. And one yeah. last thing I want to throw out about Die Hard Arcade. You know we have like the movie movie universe that's the default for many yeah, of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Die Hard arcade game is within the universe of Die Hard. You and think some, it's a video game? Somebody that... licensed the news story of John <laughs> McClane at Nakatomi Tower. Because you're very clearly in a Nakatomi type tower, and he's in the very game. famous. Yes, in in the movie. Like yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, people you know, know him. Even Zeus Carver, Samuel Jackson's character in Die Hard Three, like yeah. he heard of Nakatomi Tower. Yeah, like, that, that's the yeah. thing. They talk yeah. about the thing in New York. He, been on like that thing in LA. That thing in LA. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is a lot of that. So, so maybe it's maybe it's um maybe it's video game movie universe in game. I really like that idea. I like, and that's why. That's why his his character doesn't match the movie. That's why he does all the kung fu is because it's a story that people read of yes. this this cop. Yeah. It's like a true life cop story that they're they're reading and learning about. They don't know what he's supposed to do. Right. Like, and they, yeah, they, they, they dial it up fu. and they dial it yeah. up to a He's got to yeah. do kung fu, right? Yeah, he's 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 a cop. He probably knows martial arts. He's like, do come kung on. Fu. Yeah, so, no, that's that's a really cool idea. I like that. I like that. And then the and then the last thing, and then he finally moving we'll on to his second Moscow move Mule. It, moving on to Moscow Mule. There number you go. Two. The last thing we'll we'll tackle then is the future uh, of mm. the Die Hard series. So obviously it's it's been going whoa, downhill. Whoa 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 whoa. whoa. We whoa. cannot tackle the future until we go through one of the greatest Die Hard theories of all time. We got, so we got some more fodder. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Well, we're going to find out if it's fodder. All right. Go on. So, Al Powell. Oh yeah, the beloved Al Reginald Powell. Bell Johnson. Yeah. There is a theory. No yeah. There is a theory. <laughs> no relation. Yeah, no relation. <laughs> that was good. There is a theory out there that connects Die Hard. Yep. Two Family Matters. Yep. Two Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Two Ghostbusters. So in Ghostbusters, and, and then it would also be. Um, uh, uh, Crocodile Dundee, but no, no, then, no, 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 Crocodile Dundee. No, this, this is not the same thing I'm talking about. That's, okay, that's way out there. This theory okay. is so in Ghostbusters, the first one, when uh, uh, Dickless is talking about, or you know, when they when he arrests the Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, and Egon does his Twinkie, uh, descri- not description, uh, like his his Twinkie explanation, analogy, right? Yeah, yeah analogy. analogy. That's what yeah, I was yeah. looking for. Thank you. Right. Yeah, Reginald Val Johnson. Whatever nameless cop character he played in that movie is there witnessing this. So the theory goes that he becomes so obsessed with – that character becomes so obsessed with this Twinkie-type theory that the obsession with Twinkies carries through to his appearance in Die Hard. Remember when we first see him in Die Hard, he's eating – a lot of Twinkies. He's buying like them by the fistful. At so he's the a store. New York cop who then comes to LA, right? Yeah, he, but okay. but the reason, but the reason he's in LA. So this, so family. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Family Matters comes first. The reason he's in LA is because the kid that he talks about in Die Hard that he killed accidentally, right? Is in New York. Is Steve Urkel. So the kid he accidentally kills. Okay, well the timelines don't make Steve, any sense because Family matter. Matters was after these two. Yeah, no, but no, 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 no. You think he murders Steve Urkel? He murders Steve Urkel. Now does he murder Steve Urkel 
like original Steve Urkel or like when they cloned Steve oh, and so they made Stephon, Steve and Stephon. Well, so, so, there's, so there's two different versions of the theory. The first version is that it's it's Ghostbusters, then Family Matters. He kills Steve Urkel and then he becomes Al Powell. So he Powell. goes from New York to Chicago to right. LA. Changes but his the name. Other, but the, right. But the other version of the theory kind of reverses it and it's that you have the, the Ghostbusters part doesn't factor into the first theory. It's Al Powell, right? And he has the whole thing with this kid or whatever and then family matters follows that afterward where he's changed his name and is in like a witness protection type thing to avoid the whole gruber connection that happens after die hard with the vengeance because they see that he's gone after the grubers have gone after john mcclain so the fbi or whatever rounds up uh people associated with that, Al Powell being one of them, puts him in a weird witness protection program, and that's when we get Carl Winslow, who's also a cop. Those are, like, two competing bonkers-ass theories that are out there. Neither of them are canon. Like, let's just be clear. It's like the but jump fun to, to think about. It's like the jump to conclusions map exactly. from Office Space. But, I mean, you are jumping! <laughs> these, are, these are the theories that we're here for on yeah. Cannon Fodder. These right. are the theories that like, we want to get like, crazy, we, we want to get wrapped up. And I agree. I mean, he plays the same character. He is a cop yeah. in so many different movies in the 80s and then in the 90s that it almost becomes like a joke because you just see him in a cameo appearance. That's why I said the Crocodile Dundee thing because right. he plays a a limo driver in Crocodile Dundee but he's obviously like he knows how to like he rips the TV antenna off of the back yeah. of the limo and throws it like a boomerang. Yep. Like he's obviously not just a limo driver; he's like a tough guy, you know. So there's a third version of this theory, and this is the one that I think is most closely related to canon. It only ties together Ghostbusters and Die Hard, but it goes back to the Twinkie thing, right? And the theory goes that he becomes so obsessed with uh, the Al Powell becomes so obsessed with the paranormal, right? Um, that they, they don't really explain why he moves to L.A., but he's so obsessed with the paranormal, and it's all centered around Twinkies, which is why the first time we see him in, in Die Hard, he's got like a fistful of Twinkies. So his wife and isn't we, pregnant. That is a that is a cover story. It, it's not. It, no, it's not a cover story. It's a hallucination. He's so obsessed with the paranormal. He's and hallucinating this, a wife. No, well, not, not, not necessarily a hallucination. Like he's 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 a, he's a crazy person, essentially. Yeah, he's a okay. complete crazy so person, he's in right? A, a mental institution. Because, 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 because think about it. If he actually had a wife, right, and his wife was pregnant. Why? What would be so important? Like once the 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 story of Die Hard really gets going, right? What would be so more important about this guy that he doesn't know when all of the FBI and all these other cops are here that he had to stay at Nakatomi Plaza that entire time instead of getting back to his wife who he was very concerned about? So the theory goes that the wife doesn't exist. It's all in his head because he's been driven mad by this paranoia theory introduced in Ghostbusters by the Twinkie, which is why, again, when you even see him in Die Hard 2 in that 30-second cameo, what's he got on his desk? A bunch of fucking Twinkies. He does. That's right. Yeah, that's so right. That's, that's where a really that good all... point. Because he, like, I, we didn't talk about his cameo in Die Hard Two. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I buy it as canon, but it's certainly more believable than the the other theories that are out there that connect everything. I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. He also played a police officer in Turner and Hooch. Yeah, Turner yes, and Hooch. And Turner and Hooch ties it into yep. another. Yep. And wasn't it also uh, in like an 80, another eighties like sitcom that he was into that he played a cop? Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, so Family Matters was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. 
Perfect Strangers. Thank so, you. So like he was, you know, so, right. so he was a character as a cop there. And then right. Like, yeah. Those are actually connected. But yeah. he also shows up. Doesn't he show up in? Does he show up in Full House? Or is, I know he shows up in Girl yeah, well, Meets all World. Those, We're yeah. getting into a different episode right now. This is yeah. the TGIF the TGIF world, which is very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. The, the, but I, I think it's a, I think it's a good theory. I think I think you know if there is a. A potential for crossover. Does Die Hard, the Die Hard universe, exist in the same universe as the TGIF universe? It might, which kind of explains why things go so over the top and become so like ridiculous. Like at the yeah. end, you know, that's that's. I mean, that's definitely interesting to. Uh, oh, and here is a. That's, that's definitely an interesting. Here is an unfortunate take. what if. He was in a deleted scene from Avengers Endgame where he played a fire oh, chief. Oh, he played a fire chief. How great would that have been? He was in a deleted scene. That would have scene. been awesome. Oh my gosh. That I mean, Man. oh, that 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 would have put your that would, oh, he <laughs> would, that would have been like one of the most incredible. Because then he's in the MCU and in the Kevin Smith universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, let's talk about Die Hard Six. Well, yeah. So the future of Die like Hard. Some of the other series we're talking, we've talked about in previous episodes is the future of Die Hard is up in the air because Disney is currently buying all of Hollywood. So they so the rights to Die Hard were purchased as part of the 20th Century Fox deal over at Disney. So there was a Die Hard 6 with that Godfather 2 type route that was supposed to be directed by the director of Live Free or Die Hard, Len Weissman. So that was like in active development. And then it was paused and later dropped. After the uh, sale of 20th Century Fox went through. Yep. So there's like talk of maybe like a television series for Disney Plus because Disney Plus is just all, they're, they're just, uh, just, all the time, yeah, every property. To, yeah, trying to cram as much content as they can right now. And so, yeah. So, and the last thing I, I want to mention though is that so we talked about the detective potentially being like a route they could take in terms of a prequel. There was a 2009 comic book series, Die Hard Year One, that was set in New York City in 1976. During the bicentennial celebration, okay, and that was actually the inspiration. That's what they were going to adapt for uh, for Die Hard Six, which is going to be that Godfather Two. So, so you like can prequel. recast, yeah. yeah, you can recast, but you still keep Bruce Willis, which you know is, that'd be cool. Great. Yeah, that'd be cool. What man? What if you take that idea right? Instead of making it the bicentennial, you make it a tricentennial. It happens in two thousand and seventy six, right? And you turn it from being just an action movie to being a cyberpunk movie. And the reason that John McClane is still there, he's got cybernetic parts, right? So or got- <laughs> is he like Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond? This is this is this Die no, Hard no, Beyond? No, no, no. On, on, on that on that note, let's end the podcast. That's perfect. No, I, I think, That's perfect. No, I think I think there's a lot of things that you could do with with the future. I think no, no, no. Let's end the podcast. That was All perfect. Right. <laughs> And now that we have the future of Die Hard all set up, before we end tonight's episode, we wanted to discuss the next episode of Cannon Fodder, our year in review. Yeah. R-E-V-U-E, a nod to the Review Podcast Network, which we are now a part of. Crossover! Crossover! So over the past few months, we've discussed several cinematic universes, Terminator, Alien versus Predator versus Blade Runner, uh, the layered universes of Tarantino, Rodriguez, and Kevin Smith. Uh, we've talked about uh, Halloween and the X-Men universe. Mm-hmm. So this is our first of what we hope will be an annual episode where we go back and, and we revisit 
some of the theories, yeah, even if they're terrible. I've got a, <laughs> I, 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 I watched a movie the other day that I have a great theory about. I can't wait. Uh, the Kevin Smith universe. So we'll we'll get a chance to talk yeah, about so that we'll talk, next time. So, so we'll talk about any updates in those universes, any new releases or something that might have come out, any new news. And uh, we wanted to kind of invite you guys. You can go to cannonfodderpodcast.com. You can see all of our uh, social media outlets. And you can just let us know on Instagram, on Twitter. Tell us, you know, what you liked, what you didn't like, what your theories are. Because we want to have some fan interaction on this one so that next episode is is about what you think is canon and where we were wrong and where we were right. Yeah, let us let us know what you think. If we missed something, is there? there's obviously a lot of uh, sometimes smaller, more obscure cameo appearances that happen that we don't always get a chance to understand every single thing so if there's something that we missed you know please let us know and we'll get a chance to kind of discuss some of the wilder crazy fun theories and what we may see from some of our favorite movie universes in the future and uh until then i'm ed i'm anthony and i'm matt and this is, is cannon, cannon fodder, fodder.